Hey everybody, welcome back to the National Fire Radio Podcast. I am Jeremy, the host of the National Fire Radio channel. Thank you for joining us. If this is your first time listening to the podcast channel, welcome. If you've been here before, we appreciate your continued support and listening. And trust me, we do appreciate you being a part of the National Fire Radio community. This week, April 3rd, 2023 is an exciting time for us. April this year is a big month for us. And we're going to get into a few of those things as the weeks tick on this month. But right now, this week, on April 4th, Tuesday, and going forward on every Tuesday, will be a brand new podcast called The Size Up by National Fire Radio. The Size Up is hosted by our friend Robert Paparo. We call him Pip. You know him. He's the little guy with the mohawk. He's a rock star. He's a dear friend of ours, and he's bringing forth something new. So how about this? Give a listen to what The Size Up is all about. The Size Up by National Fire Radio is a lifestyle podcast hosted by Robert Pip Paparo. Pip has been involved in the emergency services for close to 30 years, and over that time, he's learned how much your lifestyle off the job can correlate directly to your ability to do the job. Episodes of The Size Up by National Fire Radio will focus on just that. Those different factors that you can control so you're prepared when the time comes that you aren't in control. Pip's guests will come from a variety of fields and have an expertise on topics not normally dove into on the National Fire Radio platform. So sit back, relax, throw in your earbuds, and ask yourself, what's my personal size up? I love it, Lily. Thank you for that. What a great intro into what the size up is all about. Launching April 4th, Pip throws it out there with his first guest on the size up, and that is moi, me. I am his first guest. It's going to be a killer discussion. We've already recorded it, and I know for a fact it's going to bring tremendous value. So I'm looking forward to the size up. That's going to be once a week, every Tuesday. The size up will be on the National Fire Radio channel. Check him out over on social media as well. The size up as well as thanks for tuning in. And the only way we can do this, the only way we can push this job forward together is if we get the partners involved. And the partners are our sponsors. So do me a favor, sit back and give a listen to some of the sponsors who allow us to do what we do. Our first sponsor of the podcast, Taylor's Tins. Taylor and his crew from Taylor's Tins have been manufacturing metal helmet fronts since 2017. With over 200,000 metal fronts in the market, they are a leader in the metal helmet front space. Their creativity, as well as customer service, sets them apart from the competition. They are manufacturing one-offs within 24 to 48 hours to ship to your door. Not only that, but head over to taylorstins.com and you'll see all the other products that they offer. Right now on their homepage, they have a whole page dedicated to vintage metal prints. It's so cool to see the original prints of the fire apparatus, fire hydrants, fire helmets, fire boots, flashlights. It's so cool. They are printed metal tins that hang on the wall that are aged and look to be from the original days of when these prints were drawn looking for copyright and trademarks. It's really cool. Taylor and his crew are super creative. They're always pushing the envelope as to what products they offer to the fire service. Check them out at www.taylorstins.com. That's again, taylorstins.com to get a hold of Taylor and his crew. And in the words of Taylor, stop burning up leather. Hey, everybody, Jeremy, National Fire Radio, back on the podcast today. Today's going to be a lot of fun. I think I'm going to be sitting back and just listening. This is a guy that brings a tremendous amount of animation to the conversation, as well as this crazy Northeast outside of Boston accent, which is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, on the podcast today, Chief of Department from Brockton, Massachusetts, Brian Nardelli. Chief, thanks for joining me today, brother. Jeremy, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this. I'm so really this happy. this is really cool, man. I, I get to talk to people all over the country, and uh, and I do a lot of different events and conferences. And a few weeks back, uh, I was up in Wells, Maine, for uh, a conference with the New England Fools, Rusty Ricker and his crew up there. And you were one of the speakers. And we had never met before, never even crossed paths, to be honest with you. 
Um, and I opened up that Friday night with a keynote uh, just to fire people up for the weekend. And, and when I tend to speak, I'm pretty animated um, and I get going and uh, I love to play with the crowd and, and speak in different tones up and down and get some laughter going and but be pretty poignant about my points that I make, too. Um, you are very much the same way. I snuck into one of your the lecture you were doing on uh, Sun was Saturday. I think I snuck in Saturday. Yeah. To, to catch a little bit of the lecture you were doing. And, man, you were running around that room. You got your <laughs> sleeves rolled up, your forehead sweating, and you, man, were just spitting fire and absolute passion about the job. And I was super impressed with you. And afterwards, we shook hands. We had a laugh or two. And I just – you stood out to me right away, and I said, I got to get this guy in the podcast. So I am so psyched that you're here today joining me because – your passion is going to come through today, and I think a lot of people need to hear a chief of department of a mid-sized city that's excited and still loves the job as much as you do. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, love for the job is something you'll never find lacking in uh, Brian Nardelli. That's for sure. I love that. I love <laughs> yeah. it. So, listen, yeah. man, you are the chief of the Brockton, Massachusetts Fire Department. This is the department we were talking about before. Six engine companies, one of them being a squad company, if you will, right? Uh, three trucks and a deputy chief on tour. This is yep. a good city south of Boston. It's an old mm -hmm. town, right? Mm -hmm. and, yep. you're, and you're an old town guy. You've been there your whole life. I am. I am born and raised. Uh, born city of Brockton. Um, raised here. Went to all through school here, high school. Um, tried college for about a day and a half. And just wasn't for me. Um, <laughs> the, funny, the funny story. It's what you were supposed to do, right? Let me guess. That's yeah. what you were supposed to no. do. Jeremy, but so true. So, yeah. so the funny, the funny thing behind this is, I all my friends are going to college. I'm like, oh boy, I probably should go to college, yeah. you know. And and so I I I get into a college now. This, like you got to remember, I'm a kid that like I was more of a I was thinking, can I play sports? I I went to school for the social aspect of it. I think you can tell by me. I like to talk to people. Right there, brother. And, uh, I know. Yeah, it. So, so I get into Wentworth Institute of Technology in Boston. I got there. I was there for three days. Take the commuter rail in. I'm like, whoa. What was I thinking? Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I, I, I'll tell you, I, I, I'd go there. I was paying for it. I didn't feel bad about, you know, if I was wasting my money, I guess. My parents didn't have anything in it. So uh, I, I'd go out. I'd walk down Huntington Ave and went by Northeastern one day, and they had a little sign out there that said, EMT class 250 bucks. That's back when you could go in and you could pay cash for things, unlike now. <laughs> Um, I walked in, I slapped them 2450 bucks, went to EMT school for what would be the rest of the semester, paid off what I was paying at Wentworth, and I was sitting at uh, Christmas dinner, and my father, you know, old school, says, so when do you go back to college? I said, well, I didn't mean to talk to you about that. <laughs> I, I hadn't it. told him, and I said, uh, I said, listen, Dad, not for me. Uh, I'm an EMT, and I just got a job working on an ambulance, um, and that's kind of how it all started. Now, did I have a love for the job? I had a very great interest i don't think you really know what the love for the job is until you get into the job yeah but i had a, i had a very deep interest in the job growing up my grandfather had a scanner which would buff call you know would buff fires yeah and, stuff like that and get out there and uh snowstorms and stuff so i always loved i just loved the energy behind it i love the idea that these guys are sitting in a firehouse or sitting at home whatever the case may be and next thing you know the bell rings and you're in the middle of uh controlled chaos and, well, and, I, and i mean that in the nicest possible way you know? no of course but i love the the storytelling here because like so many of us you know when you think of like small town usa as much as brockton's not a small town it's yeah. neighbor it's it's small town neighborhoods though right and Absolutely, and yeah. and so that feeling of that where people have the buy into the community and they have yeah. a scanner and they want to know where the fire yeah. truck's going in case it's the neighbors or it's down at the school or whatever it is. I mean, you know, I know a lot of people that I've talked to over the years that grew up in those urban settings and everybody had a scanner to know what the what the news was of the day, you know, yeah. what's happening. And so yeah. I can see that certainly being, you know, uh, instrumental in, in your um, your finding of the emergency services. Yeah. Yeah, it really, it really was. And, and so my grandfather had like one of those old Bearcat scanners. Oh, like yeah. The, red lights, the crystals, like, right? Down. You yeah, put crystals, the crystals in it? Yeah. Right. Hell yeah. You had, to, you had to have like, you had to buy a crystal for this. That's right. This yep. Yeah, it's crazy. That's um, cool. So, yeah, it was. It was cool. So EMS. Yep. So where, so what was your father's background? Was he, was he a public servant or was he in no. private? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, my father, my father worked, he was a shipper receiver at a, at a, at a manufacturing plant. Like he, like there was, there's no legacy in my family. I, I work with so many of these guys, fathers, grandfathers, 
different personnel that were, you know, guys on the job. And, and that was not me at all, um, at all. Was you know? college not really for you because it wasn't kind of like a blue collary type of thing? I mean, I can just, I can, I can feel that. Like you're, you're good with yeah. your hands and you were looking for something that challenged you, no? I think so. I, I, I think it, it wasn't necessary. I don't know the, the mechanical aspect of it as much as like it was the, I had to be able to think on my feet. I'm not a person there you go. who, I, I don't think I could sit and, you know, you know, know that I have this pile of work to do at a desk and I got to get it done and then I'll go home and I'll eat my dinner. I'll go to bed. I'll come back. And I think I just needed, I needed variety. Yeah. And I think, you know, the fire service, I looked at it, wow, you get this variety and, and on top of that, you, you get to help people. You know yeah. I mean? That's a, that's a major component of what we do. You know, I, they laugh, you know, you laugh at that movie, movies like backdraft and things like that, but there's a key line in that, that they say, you know, the greatest Kurt Russell says, the greatest thing about this job is you, people call us and we show up. That's right. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, male, female, Italian, Irish, black, white, purple, green, Asian, yep. um, you know, uh, mixed race. It does not matter when people call, we show up and we're there to fix a problem and we're there at your, your most difficult time. And, and I think there's, there's a lot to be said about a person that will do that. Yes. Not everyone has that in their fabric. Oh, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And um, I think that's what sets firefighters and EMS and police officers, you know, public service like that. I think that's what sets us apart from the general public, right, is, you know, we are always ready to lend a hand and it doesn't matter who's on the other end to receive it. It doesn't nope. matter. It's it's humanity, right? Yep. So, Absolutely. so talk to me about those early EMS days in the city of Brockton, Massachusetts. What was that like? Good, busy. So, so when I when I started, it was 1990. I just graduated from high school. Um, the Bro the city of Brockton was in a very very bad financial place. The city of Brockton has a history. It was the largest men's shoe manufacturer in the world. They manufactured men's shoes. They the last company, the last shoe company to close in Brockton, Massachusetts, was owned by a family friend of mine by the name of Paul Louise. Mm. His family owned Louise Shoe, and they made orthopedic shoes for the United States soldiers no kidding um so if you had a certain so i mean there were shoe factories and and you know when when you look at a city like brockton and the shoe industry collapses and it goes down south or goes overseas there are so many other parts of the community that suffer not only the people that work in the shoe factories but the diner next That's to right. the shoe factory the restaurant down the street the people who uh, the trucking company the sure. truck those shoes they, i mean there's so many parts so brockton hit bad times and, and here i am i get out of school i get my emt i'm gonna get on the fire department that's what i want to do and 1991, they lay off 32 firefighters from the city of Brockton because wow. the, the, the city was in tough financial times. So I said, sure. oh, this is this is interesting. Yeah. So, you know, I, I figured I'd, you know, I figured out I went to paramedic school. I loved working in EMS. I really did. I loved working in Brockton EMS. Brockton was having had some real violent times at that time. So there was a lot of trauma. There was a lot of things I learned a lot. I learned from some very smart people. And I took the civil service exam, statewide civil service exam, like everybody else put down Brockton as my preference. And I scored well enough that in 1994, I got a job on the Brockton Fire Department. Now, I still worked in EMS on the side as a side job. I met my lovely bride. Nice. Working in, when I worked in EMS, she was, a, she was a nursing student at the Brockton Hospital. Oh, she, she wasn't, born a, and raised in she wasn't a damsel well. in distress, huh? No, not at all. Not <laughs> at, she was way more put together than me, Jeremy. I love that. <laughs> Yep. I love it. We always, yep. all of us, we marry out of our leagues. We know that. I mean, oh, we're firemen. Way, we, way yeah, hundred percent. Yep. I was, I was, I was way out of my league. Yeah, me too, and, brother. Me too. Yeah. Her father was a longtime physician in the city of Brockton, who was an old Italian guy that was very well respected. Yeah. So I was like, trust me, here I am, this kid, paramedic, trying to get on college the dropout, I, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, you know what, though? My, 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 when I say that, my father-in-law was a guy who put him through a South um medical school, yeah. putting um, putting curb stones in in the city of Brockton. Wow. So, so here you go. So it's he's cool. like, you know, he, I, I had my, my relationship with my father-in-law was second to none. Yeah, uh, awesome. And my mother-in-law. Great yeah. people. And they, you know, they, 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 they had the love of my life for me. So that was, you know, my wife and I now have been married almost 25 years. I love Three it. kids. It's great. And, uh, one out of college, one in college, and one going into college. So it's been, it's been, a, it's been. I have to tell you, I'm a blessed guy, great ride, and um, I, you know, I owe a lot of that to the, the profession. And and a lot of my passion for this, for my life, comes out of what my passion is for my job. I, I'm not. I, I will never. I, I find myself to be so lucky that I will never be a guy that will go 
to work and go, huh, got to slug out another day. Got to slug out another 40 hours. I'm excited. I'm in my office at 6 a.m. I'm ready to go to work. I got a million things going on. I love everything about it. Trust me, doing my budget in January for July is not sure. my favorite thing. That's a different world. But but every single thing, because when, even when I do my budget, I'm looking at what I can forecast we can get done for the department and for the, the, for the residents of the city where, of Champions. Where does that come from, Chief? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, is it just, are you like that in all aspects of your life? Like how you, how you just, you're, you're an all in guy, whether you, I don't know, like hobby wise, you like to ski, go fishing, whatever. Like, are you an all in guy? Like, um, I think I'm an all in guy. I yeah. think I'm an all in guy if I love it. Yes. Um, I'll tell you right now. So funny story. I, my wife and I get married. We have our, our first child. I'm on the fire department and I'm working in EMS. And I said to my wife, I'm going to try something different. I've worked in EMS and the fire service my whole adult career. I'm going to try something different. I got my real estate license. I sold two houses out of the gate. My wife is like ecstatic. And I came home and said, yeah. I said, no, but I said to my wife, I'm never doing this again. She said, what are you talking about? You sold two houses. I said, it stinks. This is boring. I don't like it. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to take care of people. I want to be in, in the middle of, and I hate to say the action because that's, you know, some people, they look at the fire service and EMS and, Police officers, oh, they're, they're, they're adrenaline drunkies. They, they love to, you know, they need, that's not it. There's a passion for the service we are providing to the people that come before us. And there's a lot, that, that's, what, that's how I look at this. I look at this as I have a passion for what I can do for my community and for my fire department. Like, what can I do for my fire department? How, how today am I better than I was yesterday? Because it's a privilege to be here. There's a lot of people that want my job. There's a lot of people that want, I tell the kids, we run our own academy. I tell the kids, as the chief, I was the training deputy for, for a number of years. But, but now, when we have that first the class, the first day I walk in, and I tell them what a privilege, privilege it is to sit where they sit. There yeah. is a lot to be said about being able to be here. Yeah. There are, I, there's a million other people that would line up to take that job that you have right now because it's a calling and there's a passion to it. If you don't have the passion, you're not going to learn until the day you leave here. Hit the road. We don't want you here. Were you like that in 94 when you got hired? I mean, you aspired to be a fireman. You get hired. Did you have mentors that believed in that? Does the Brockton Fire Department, yes. are they deeply rooted in that type yes. of mantra? Yes. I had, I'll tell you right now, The re, I think for the fire service, a lot of the reason I am the way I am is because of the mentors I had. I had captains like Jack Keating, Captain Bobby McGrand, Deputy Chief Kenny Gustin, Lieutenant Jeff Gilpatrick. These people, are the senior man, Chuck Davis, senior man, Timothy Dimes. These were guys that took me under their wing and said, this is how we do it, and let's get it done. And they nurtured me. They built me. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be who I am. I don't know if I would have the passion I have. But because not everybody, and the unfortunate part about this business as well, and you know this, I mean, because you talk all over the country, not everybody is as passionate about it. Right. There, are, there are people that joined this, and they're waiting for Thursday to get their paycheck. And that's the unfortunate part. That is less than what what people like you and I are that yeah. are passionate about every minute. And I think there's a lot of people out there too that are passionate under the under the under the under the surface. They don't want to show people how passionate they are. And there was, you know, you hear you see these things out there about it's okay to love the job. It is. Yeah. It's 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 it means a lot to love the job. And I'll tell you right now, if you don't love this job, I hate to say it, I don't know if I love you. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? I get it. I get it. I think it's also okay to say you love the job. Like, yes, and absolutely. I think I think we're seeing a resurgence in that, though. I really do. I think there was a time where it was cool not to not to show that you were into it, um, and I think mm -hmm. that a lot of people were getting lost or misguided, and mm -hmm. and there was this way about it where it wasn't cool, if you will, for lack of better words, to be in love with the job. But I think we're yep. seeing a resurgence in it. I know for me, five years ago when I started this, the whole mission of it was to protect the stories of those that have come before us. I mean, I'm yeah. talking to Chief Nardelli today out of Brockton, Massachusetts. This will now stay here in perpetuity, and people will be able to hear your passion and voice for the next thousand years, right? It's a yeah. digital footprint of who you are. I sure. think it's okay to love the job, and I think it's okay to tell everyone you love yeah. the job. Absolutely. And I think my, my opinion is this. Wherever you move in your department, whatever status that is you grow into, whether you're the senior person on your truck, whether you're the senior person in your company, the senior person in your group, whether you're a deputy chief, a lieutenant, the chief of department, it's more important to let people know that you love the job. Because, because I think the fire service needs to know from people who have been around 
that care about it, how much they do care. Because if I look, because I look at the guys, those names I just told you earlier yeah. of the people that mentored me, mm-hmm. they made me feel every day what I came in to do in the firehouse and going out on calls was the most important thing that could ever happen in the world. And you know what? Because of their passion, that passion transitioned into me. Now it, I have to, I have to pass that on. And if I don't pass that on, I'm doing the service and injustice. I'm doing the fire department and injustice. I say that all the time. I have some guys that, 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 you know, when I was the training deputy running the drill school, some, some guys like Charlie, guys like Charlie Hayward, he's a senior man on squad A. I, we talk about this all the time. Charlie and I are about the same age. He got on a little bit later, but I'm going to tell you something right now. I talk to him all the time about the stuff like this, that it is important. He has a lot of knowledge. He's had people who have taken time, put their time into him to make sure he has this knowledge. And you know what? In, Whenever I'm gone, he needs to keep passing this down. That's right. Captain Sean Kerr, same thing. We grew up together. We went to high school together. We have the same passion and the same vision for what we want the fire service to be. He understands that. He passes that on to every single guy that works for him. And even people that don't want to listen, he passes it on to as well. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love that. So let me ask you this then. I mean, you have all this passion within, and, and you had great mentors that set the stage. I mean, we'll go through it real quick. 27 years in the Brockton Fire Department. 2004, you were made lieutenant, 06 captain, 2010 deputy chief, and then you've been chief of department since 21, right? Correct. Yep. Yep. Why, why is it today, 27 years in, you're just as passionate, if not more passionate today than you were yesterday? And the reason why I ask that is because why do so many chiefs lose touch with why this job is so good. I mean, there's not a lot of chiefs that are hopping and skipping into work behind their desk at six o'clock in the morning and there to promote their people and talk about their people and be excited and animated. Or you told me before you showed up on the training grounds because you still want to stay in touch with what they're doing, what they're talking about. The guys ask you to step in and talk about building construction to the new probies. Like you're still so very much in tune with your department and your people. Why did chiefs lose touch today with that type of mentality? Jeremy, unfortunately, I, I don't really have a great answer. I don't know. I don't know what that answer is, but but I think they're if they're not, they're doing the fire service in their department and injustice. Yes. Because the higher you go, the more you have to show the importance of what these young kids. What if? So here I am. I'm the chief of department. The drill yard is connected to where Brockton Fire Department headquarters is. I walked out today before I got on this call with you. I walk out. We got a drill school in. They're out there tying knots and they're throwing ground ladders. They're stretching lines. Everybody's in different stations. The, 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 the training crew's out there. I walk out a lot and I walk out to see them, see how things are going, check in with the, the operations deputy, see how the training cap is doing. And I walk out and every time I walk out there, every single one of those recruits says to me, good afternoon, chief, like in yeah. unison. Right. Right. And if I if I walk by them, Jeremy, yep. and I don't say anything or I grumble or if I don't get whatever I do, if I don't look back at them and say, good morning, good afternoon, recruits, what message am I sending to them? 100 percent. I'm sending a message. Well, the chief doesn't give a shit. Why should I? That's right. That's right. So so this and I don't listen. I've been a sponge my entire life. I've looked at leaders that have been terrible leaders. I've looked at leaders that have been great leaders. I've learned a ton from terrible leaders. I've learned a ton from people who I've said, geez, look at this guy. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about anything going That's on. That's right. He's just, you know what? He's out here. The fire, the fire is eventually going to go out. Well, you know what? What does that tell the people with him? I don't know why chiefs get like that to get you back to your original point. Yeah. They shouldn't be like that. I have a very good friend of mine, Mike Cowell, he's the chief in a, in, a, in a community right next door to me. We talk about this. Yeah. We talk about this. I, I go to the, these chiefs associations. I talk about all the great things that I love doing every day in whether it be social environments, whether something comes up during the meeting. I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to entice chiefs because there are chiefs out there. There's some that are out there that, you know, where's the bottom line? You know, some of them have been jaded by their city leaders. Oh, no, 100%. Been, and, and, Absolutely. and I get that because, you know, there's been things I've been doing this job. Uh, a, a, you know, a year and a half now. Have have I come across some tough times in this year and a half? Have I come across some tough times in the 27 years? Absolutely. But you know what? Am I going to let those people get me down? If I have a if I have a passion for the fire service, I'll tell you this. Nobody joins the fire service to be the chief of department. And if you do, you're lying to me, right? Yep. I joined the fire department. I wanted to ride the back step of squad A and go into fires 
and make a difference. That's all I cared about. And I, I worked in EMS in, 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 in this area in EMS, we worked paramedic intermediate. The paramedic always had to be in charge. I ne- I'll never forget. I said to my wife, when I was first getting on the fire department, we weren't married yet. And I said, I want to ride the back step and I never want to give another order the rest of my life because I've been doing it as a paramedic. <laughs> and I want to, I want to ride the back step and be told what to do. Yeah. Well, obviously my personality, probably yeah. that wasn't going to happen. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. but my point being is I joined the fire service to ride the back step, stretch hose lines, throw ground ladders, force doors. Things happen. Yep. You know, okay, maybe I'll take the lieutenant's test. I think I could ride in that front seat. Yep. And I think I could, I think I could set and mold people. I think I could set, a standard like Jack Keating did for me when his, he was my captain. And then you become a captain and a little more responsibility. Next thing you know, you know what? I think I really always liked, they brought me into training to teach the drill schools. Maybe I'll try to take the deputy's job and I'll try to run the drill school. Then I did that for a few years. Then I, you know, Hey, maybe I'll look at, you know, going into a platoon and running a shift. Okay. I moved over that. I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you this right now. If you asked me three years ago or four years ago, you said to me, Brian, you're going to be the chief of department. I think you were crazy. Yeah. I never really aspired to this position. Right. But, but things, you know, things happen. Sure. You know, chief was retiring. We have seven deputy chiefs. I, I was, I was kind of like we, four of us tested for it. It just happened to work out that way. And I'm going to tell you right now, I thank my lucky stars every day since I took this job that it worked out the way it did. Not that I'll tell you right now, every seven of those, every one of those other deputies could have done this job just as good, if not better than me. I guarantee you. Sure. But, but I'll tell you right now, I love that I can take what everybody has, their vision, put it in one place, bring it before the city, and make sure now we're getting the, the, the jobs done that we want to get done. We're not just plodding along in the 20th century, per se, yeah. and just figuring nothing's going to move forward. That's, yeah. that's, and so I'm very I, – I didn't aspire to it necessarily, but when I – now in the last year and a half, I'm very thrilled that I got it because I, I – I, I, I hope I can lead the department. You're a you know, motivator. I mean, yeah. you, you, we want people in positions of influence to push us forward, and you are a motivator. There's two words that stick out to me while you were saying all this, and it's motivation, and the other one is proud. Like, I bet you every single day when you put that shirt on, with your whether you wear a badge or it's an iron-on, whatever, right? But when you put your bars, your, your bugles on— mm-hmm. I know you're proud. I can tell through your passion and your voice that you're proud to represent the city of Brockton and its residents and its fire department. And you're very proud to wear that shirt and proud to drive that chief's buggy. Yeah, you're right. And, and you know what? Go even further. Go back even further. I'm just, I'm proud that a kid from Brockton that got into college his first day and decided it wasn't him. I'm wearing that patch. Love that. I didn't think I'd be here. You know, I mean, yeah. I didn't think I'd be here. You know, I, I mean, not for nothing. I, I mean, I, I, I think. I'm just so proud, and I'm I, I, every single day. Our people in the fire service, all over the world, the people in my department do things to make you proud of you. There's nothing greater I get to do than sit in my office at 6 a.m. with a cup of coffee, type out a general order to the department about something great that somebody did. Oh, I love that. Nothing, nothing that nothing makes me feel more fulfilled. I'm, than I'm right there with you, brother. I, yeah. the best thing I can do is promote others around me and make others know and be known that they've gone above and beyond or they're doing a good job, man. I think reinforcement like that and bringing positive attention to the job, to our people, to our department. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what it's all about. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, So let me ask you this. There was an Instagram post that floated around a few weeks ago that I saw right after I had met you. So when I saw it, I was like, whoa, look at this. Like, how crazy is that? That like, I see this post. It's you speaking on the fire ground, which was nice to see that a chief of a department your size is in the street with a with a leather helmet on and a long coat. And you're talking to the media, but you're also you got dirt on your gear, too, which I absolutely love. I was cracking up a little bit. But my point is, you were you were talking about how difficult it was of a job that your bro- that your guys did that night or that day, where they were making rescues over ladders and and throwing ground ladders and so on. And we all know that that Boston area for sure is is ladder ladder heaven, right? You guys are throwing a sure. lot of ground ladders. You yep. got a lot of those triple deckers and so on. So yep. this is a, a labor intensive job where you guys are. And you were praising your guys. You put your guys ahead of anything else in that newscast about what a valiant effort, and they went above and beyond to do the job they were doing. And you even made a point of saying, like, let me explain to you how difficult this job truly is. Like, that's powerful, man. 
And so when I saw that, I was like, this guy's all in on his people. And you said it a few minutes back. You said buy-in. You mentioned the, the two words buy-in, and I talk about that a lot. I talk about, you know, we expect our firefighters to be all in. We want buy-in from our firefighters. They need to believe in us. But our departments need to believe in our people. So if the people are expected to be all in on us, our departments should be all in on us, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You as the chief are the one that gets to set that tempo and culture. And so for you to stand in the street that night and talk about your people like that, you want to talk about a department buying into their people. Brother, that was powerful. Well, well, thank you. And I, and I appreciate that. But I'll be quite honest with you. I didn't really I, I, I didn't think of it as I, I know it kind of went. I'm not a big social media guy. I have Twitter so I can look at fire stuff and I have Instagram so, right. I, so I can look at fire. Sure. I don't have <laughs> I'm not a Facebook guy. No, I, I get like, it. I'll retweet something. I'm kind of. So then I had people like reaching out to me and saying, <laughs> hey, did you see this? And I'm like, no, can you send it to me. So, you know, this was this was a fire. Central Square, downtown, Three Decker in downtown Brockton. Deputy Chief Kevin Galligan, near and dear friend of mine. Um, his father was the fire chief many years ago. He was the platoon deputy. They got there. I walk up. He says, yeah, they rescued five people out of the ground ladders. I went, they did what? And he wow. says, yep, they, we got five people out of the ground ladders. I was, you don't know. Beaming, I, right? I, Beaming. I, I, no, I think we put so much into making sure our membership knows the value of every single skill they learn. Yes. And when, when I show up as the chief of department, I might not have been out there teaching the ground ladders that month before, but I know the right people were. And when I show up and all that comes together and, and I have all these guys, these two pieces of, I mean, the engine company pulled up, they, 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 they hit it hard from outside, big blitz attack. They knocked down heavy fire with a two and a half, the ladder companies, Throwing a ground ladder, throwing a ground ladder in the front, and pulling pulling kids out over a ground ladder. Those are all pieces that come together because everybody, all those ships are sailing in the right direction, Love all in that. the same direction. And you know what? These are the guys that are making this place move forward. I'm steering the ship. They're pushing it forward. And that's if if you're not recognizing that, I wanted them over because a lot of times I have to do a lot of interviews and I go to I, we we have it. I go to anything, a second alarm or greater I go to. I don't care if it's three in the afternoon or three in the morning. Yep. It doesn't matter. I love going to fires. Yeah. When I'm standing over there, I have to do a lot of interviews. And I have to interview about, and I have to talk about what we did, how we did. And you know how the customary thing is. And, and the media doesn't always understand what we're sure. talking about. But for me to be able to get out there and talk about the importance of the textbook out of this stuff, for crying out loud, if that's mm. what you even want to go to, how we take them out through the inside, how we take them over platform, how we take them over near. And the last thing we want to do is take them over ground ladder. I want anybody that's listening out there in the TV world or whatever to understand what those people that are here on this fire ground that work their butt off to, to make a difference in these people's lives, the, the, the arduous process it takes to get there. This isn't, they didn't just walk up and go, okay, let's go jump out the window. It doesn't yeah, work that way. There's exactly. a lot of, there's a lot of prep time that these company offices, these CMN, these firefighters do to be able to throw that ground ladder perfectly to do this, to do that. They should be getting credit for that. They should be the ones that everybody sees and says, yeah, <laughs> these guys did a great job. I wasn't there. I, the rescues were made before I got there, Jeremy. Right, right. No, it had nothing right. to do with me. Yeah, no, you know? I get it. But you're the proud papa, man. And that's the I'm thing. The like, father, yeah. yeah, you know what I'm saying, though? You are. It's you. like, you know, your kid did a good deed in school and he comes home and, and the teacher sends you a note and says your kid's a rock star. It's that yep. proud papa moment, right? Yep. But I what, I think, no, I what I think is amazing, though, is your personality and, and your, your proudness of your people, your department, and the community you serve. You have all this buy-in to the community that you guys are there to sworn to protect and serve them. And you did that that night in the most valiant of way. And it was important for you to educate the average citizen through today's media about how good your people are. And the fact that you guys did not fall down on your obligation, every single Brockton firefighter that was there and every single guy that was home watching the news that night saw you on there knows one thing, and they know that our chief of department is proud of who we are in the department we are. And that's huge, brother. That is absolutely huge. This episode's brought to you by Fast Rescue Solutions. Fast Rescue Solutions was created with the mission to develop products and training that surpass currently accepted industry standards and that meet the operational challenges of the real world. 
Their vision is, always has been, and always will be to revolutionize rescue and save lives. Fulfilling both the mission and the vision, the Fastboard is a disruptive technology in rescue. Invented by 28-year Philadelphia firefighter Eric Allen, with over 20 years in the Philadelphia Fire Department Special Operations Command. He is a game changer. His crew is game changing victim in firefighter rescue and survival. The national average time for rescuing a downed firefighter is 15 to 20 minutes using five or more people. The fast board has the ability to reduce that time to five minutes or less using only two or three members. That is 500 times faster than the national average. Originally designed to get down firefighters out of a basement, the fast board has been proven effective in nearly every rescue scenario. RIT can find space, trench, ice, and water rescue, hazmat, mass casualty, and the list goes on and on. Its simplicity and versatility make it a game changer. For a virtual demo or more information, visit their website at www.fastrescuesolutions.com and tell the crew you heard about them on the National Fire Radio channel. Eric and his crew at Fast Rescue Solutions have become dear friends of ours, and we appreciate the support. Check them out. But everyone in the community should be. And that's, uh, well, that's, yes, that's, absolutely. No, no, yeah, yeah. But my point is getting across is understand, you know, I have people that I'm around all the time. It's funny, we're, we're, we're changing over um, to some changing different nozzles. And I had some demos in my office that um, one of the salesmen dropped off to me who's a friend of mine. And, and, and I brought it, I was holding it in, in one of the clerks that works in the office. She says to me, so what's that? What's the difference to that? And I was talking about different size hose lines. And different, they're not firefighters. Correct. She's a resident of the city of Brockton. That's right. So I kind of got into this tutorial about what this whole what this does versus this other nozzle what the hose lines do and she was asking a couple of questions about they're not all the same hoses and don't they come up you know this is she she's in her world and i'm in my world that's right but it's important every day for us to educate the public that you know we're not these guys out guys and ladies out there that are just kind of you know kind of figuring it out on the fly there's a lot of thought that goes into this you know we don't just make this stuff up as we go we're not throwing something against the wall and seeing if it sticks there is a, there is a, there's a stated course we're trying to go along here to make sure this works out the way it's supposed to work out. So every day a firefighter can educate the public on what they do is a great day for the fire service as a whole because times are going to get tough again. Yeah, money, money's going to get tight again at some yep. point, and 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 jobs might be on the line, equipment might be on the line. Can't buy that new ladder truck because the money's not there. If the public understands, every single firefighter should be an advocate for their own department. Because if they're not, when those times get tough, That's right. five, six, 10, 20 years, 100 years down the road, if we're not educating the public that we're just not out there sitting in the firehouse playing cars or jumping on a truck and flying down the street, well, that's on us. We have to educate. I'll tell you, uh, Bill Hill, uh, president of Local 144, who's our, our president, he got on a year before me. We work very closely together. We see a vision of the fire service, and we work very closely. The political activism that the union has helps me every day for what I'm trying to get across to the public. Yeah. There has to be that, that management labor buy-in, that we're all trying to accomplish the same goal. We see it, might see it from different angles sometimes, but we're all trying to accomplish that same goal. I Man, there's so much here. I, I want to take it then. I mean... I agree with you 100%. The community can be our biggest asset. And if we educate and educate and educate and we have a working relationship and a mutual understanding with the community that we serve, when mm -hmm. times get tough, they will certainly be in our corner. And, uh, and I think that that's very powerful. And it's, it's, a, it's a chip that we need to, you know, hold on to. And sometimes you've got to cash in. And then other times we've got to give it away, right? It's a give and yeah. take relationship. But you yeah. live in your community. You're, you've grown Correct. up, born and raised in Brockton, yeah. Massachusetts. That has to have an effect on you also when you're driving around that city as the man responsible for the protection of, you know, fire protection and rescue services for a city like that. It's a very proud yeah. moment for you for being a local city guy. I have to think a bunch of your people do come from the city, and I'm sure that that yeah. helps with the foundation and that belief that you're talking about. Absolutely. No question. It, it, you know, it's, it's a double-edged sword sometimes. Of I've, course. I've gone to calls. It's great. It gives you pride, Jeremy. Like you said, it gives me, makes me pumped up to be able to take care of the people that are around me on a regular basis. But then, you know, 
you know, you can show up to a family member or a friend's house. So you can, those things are difficult. That can be difficult. That happens to a lot of kids here in the city of Toronto wow. um, that, that, that I've had the opportunity to work with. And, and, but, but it does give you pride. It gives you the ability. You understand the history. You understand where we were, where we are, and where we're going and where you want it to go. You know, I mean, and, and there's a pride. I mean, Brockton, like I said, the shoe capital of the world. This is a home of Rocky Marciano, the heavyweight champion of the world. Home of Marvin Hagler, the middle, middleweight champion of the world. I mean, we have, we, there was a lot of pride. This is an immigrant city. Yeah, so, hardworking, pipe-hitting. Yeah, yeah man. Right. Yep, they, it was Italians, Irish, Lithuanian, Polish. And now there's a new wave of Cape Verdean, Haitian, Nigerian, Angolan. There's, 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 this is a mixed bag in wow. this city of yeah. a million different people. This, Which I'll tell you right now, is the best part about this yeah. because there are, there are so many different nationalities here that make up this city, which really makes it what it is. It, that, that diversity creates it, but it also creates, that's what we see now transitioning into the fire service is, is that diversity in the fire service. We're bringing, we're bringing different backgrounds into the fire service. When I get on, it was a number of Irish, Italian and um, Irish, Italian and, and Polish and Lithuanian. Right. Um, on the Brockton Fire Department. Now, we have a drill school in right now at 16. We have Cape Verde, we have Haitian, we have a male, female. Um, there, there were no females on the Brockton Fire Department when I got hired. That's wow. all changed. Yeah. So, so there's a lot. There's a fabric in the city that I love. There's a fabric in the city that people that are from here and are coming here want this place to be great. The mayor, um, the mayor of the city of Brockton, Bobby Sullivan, um, he's a couple of years older than me in, in school. We, he graduated two years ahead of me. I know him. he is a supporter of the fire service. The city council has been on our side. I think, you know, you listen to me now and how excited I am. Uh, I'm the same way in a calm city council meeting <laughs> on a Monday night. So. <laughs> but you know what? It's, it's reassuring, though to them that a guy like yourself is at the helm. You talked about all the ships steering in the same direction, but somebody's got to steer it, right? And the fireman and the company is the power behind you, but somebody's steering yeah. it. And when when you have your bosses, the city manager, the mayor, and the council looking at you, the fire chief, and you're up there with the same animated passion and belief in your own people, they have to buy in. They yeah. don't have a choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. infectious. No. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I think so. It was funny. Last year, budget hearings are in June. So the beginning of the fiscal uh, year in July, and uh, we, we, I walk in, and they, you know, you're up there. You have to go before the finance committee and talk about things a lot. But they, when you're talking about your budget, you're going to be up there for a while. So they put a, ta- a desk up there with chairs, and I walk in. Uh, at the time, <laughs> Council Jack Lally was the president of the council, and I walk in. I see the thing. Now there's normally a podium, and I can move around a little. Right. And I walk in. I look at the desk, and I look up at. Uh, uh, Councilor Lally, I said, uh, Mr. President, this 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 isn't going to work. It's not, it's not my style. <laughs> said, this isn't said, my style. This, this, this just this is not going to work, man. That's and he funny. goes, Why? What's that? He says, I wanted to make it so it was easy. I said, I'm, You're gonna, I'm going to be falling out of my seat here trying to talk to you. That's guys. right. That's so, right. But uh, but yeah, so it's good. All good stuff. It's all good stuff. But but again, that's on the fire chief to work to educate the city council. That's right. We are right now. We are on the precipice of putting a heavy rescue back in. Whip. So if I can give you a little backstory. Yeah, please do it. 1991, they laid off 32 firefighters. They had to put some companies out of commission. They brought companies back, all but one. Engine Company 1 never came back in commission. Downtown used to be Squad A, Ladder 1, and um, Squad A, Ladder 1, and Engine Company 1. They never got Engine Company 1 back. My vision moving forward was to try to get a 10th company back in commission for the city. We're doing 35,000 runs a year in a population of 106,000 people. The call volume is increasing thousands every year with the population rise in the city. So we also look at the fact we have a ton of building going on right now. We're converting old mills. We're converting, we're building new buildings. There's a, there's a complexity to the rescue community right now with technical rescue. So right now, all of our technical rescue equipment is spread out amongst five different pieces of equipment. Yeah. So we, as a department, myself, my vision was we, through an AFG grant, we were able to buy um, a, a, um, a spot in EVI, walk through heavy rescue. Great truck. It's, it, we designed it ourselves. We took parts of other people's, put it together. Then I said, all right, now we got to get a safer grant. This is all just as I'm taking over as chief. So Deputy Chief Scott Albany, who does all our grant writing, writes the grant. We get 16 bodies. Now, at the same time, just before I took over, I'm at the budget hearing. And I put the budget together in January. The chief, that my predecessor that was leaving, 
goes to present the budget. And they, one of the city councilors, Dennis Zanieri, dear friend, says, we'd like to hear from Chief Nardelli about the budget. And I, dear, when I say dear friend, he's become a dear friend. I, yeah, I didn't yeah, really I get know it. him before yeah. that, but he's, he's, he's someone who, who loves, again, loves the city. Loves but you guys are all rooted within this city. I mean, it just yeah. makes sense. Right, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. So I get up there. I start talking now about the heavy rescue and what my, what my, and so they said, so Chief, what's your vision? You're going to be taken over in a month. What's yeah. So I talk about a number of things. We're building a new public safety building. We got all this going on. And I start talking about the heavy rescue. And I start talking about, yes, people complain that Engine Company 1 is out of service. But the fire service evolves to what the community makes it evolve into. And I get onto this whole aspect about, listen, the fire service. Did, did, did I think I was going to be wearing a ballistic vest and a ballistic helmet yeah. when I took on the fire service? That's in a good point. No. But you know what happened? Fire service was asked to step up, and what did it do? It stepped up. Did I think we were going to have battery-powered cars that now are creating all these problems throughout the world, and we're having to put them out with copious, copious amounts of water and all this different stuff? Nope. But you know what? We're doing it. We're handling it because that's what the that's what the community asks of the fire service. That's right. So I looked at the councils and I said, my look, my look is, I want to get this safer grant, which is a grant for through FEMA. I want to get these bodies. We have a company officers to put on this truck. I want to recommission a 10th company but i want it to be a heavy rescue not an engine company because my brothers and sisters in the surrounding communities can send me engine companies if i need them no one has a heavy rescue well it all comes to pot it all comes to i i talked and sold this evolution of the fire service so many times i had the city councilors coming up to me saying chief you're evolving (laughs) (laughs) and i said oh my god they're saying it back to me i guess we did i love it i love it Alex, that's exciting. I mean, in, in 2023, uh, a north a city in the northeast is going to be gaining a company. It's pretty wild when you think about it's that. Time. Yeah, it's, it's, I'll tell you right now, it's huge. Um, there's a there's there's so much buzz. I think right now in the department, people are excited about it. People want it. They're looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, it's exciting because it's 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 adding a chapter. You know, I like I I said to a lot of people. Our generation of the fire service in the city of Brockton, our generation of the Brockton Fire Department, we're going to be able to put our stamp on this city. We're going to be able to say, okay, we saw that we needed this. Moving forward, we were able to get it done. And that's, you know, that's a lot to be said about everybody around me to say this was part of our generation. Our generation was able to do this and, and be proud of that because, because for the last 20 how 30-something years, that hasn't been the case. So be proud of what we were able to accomplish with this. I love it. I absolutely yeah. love it. Talk to me a little bit about your early days that helped form you to where you are today, right? You talked about being a squad A fireman, right? It's squad yeah. A, like A as in apple, squad A, Correct. right? Yeah. Okay. You Correct. know that, yeah. that that accent you have, you just, I was just clarifying yeah. forever. <laughs> but yeah. it's, it's squad A. Where where does the origins of squad A come from? What is what is that company? What do they do? So squad A was the first um, was the first motorized fire truck in the, in the city. Um, came into service in 1909. Um, it was basically originally named the Flying Squadron. Yeah. And it was basically supposed to be a fast attack water rescue company. Okay. Um, so it was going to be an engine company that was going to go out and it would be the first water on the fire, it would be the first one searching, usually had the most um, staffing, most had the most manpower. Um, they, they were, it was man more so they could get water on the fire quicker. It evolved over the years. If you see any pictures of Brockton, they're the guys in the red helmets. Yeah. Um, it's a red, if they're all red helmets, there's a red, there's a white A on the front, or if you're a, if you're a company officer, you have a white sheet. Okay. Um, it evolved over the years. So in 2009, um, just before I made deputy chief, we actually celebrated his hundredth birthday and we had members from years past of squad a so i was on squad a from 96 to 2004 eight years as a firefighter um we were able my it's funny my first year i came on and um i i I, drill school was a lot different we had a six-week drill school now it's 13 we've added a lot of other things in you know we didn't we we really didn't learn hydraulics when i was in when i was in drill school you you would learn how to get water in the truck and then when you got out to your company, the senior man or the company officer would teach you hydraulics. Right. So, so there was a lot of things that weren't involved um, in the drill school back then. But what happened was I learned a lot of valuable lessons in how you accomplish tasks. And, and, the, and, the, and the whole idea behind Squad A was you had to be – when people were having trouble with things, you had to be the one that could figure it out. Yep. And that was, that was kind of you – were, you, were, you were trained. Not, not, to be, not to be arrogant about, oh, get out of the way, we're going to do it. But it was if there's a problem, how – are the members of squad A going to, going to be able to fix this? So, so I got on, we had a, a 
we had 10 fires, 10 multiple alarm fires in the city of Brockton in April of 97. I came in, I came on in November of 96, got out of, I, November 12th, 1996, I started drill school. I graduated New Year's Eve day, went out on the companies, um, went to, I, I went out, I got assigned a squad A out of the gate. Cause remember, this is a time you got to remember after the 91 last. Yeah. They got hired to attrition. They barely just got the guys back. We were the second, we were the third class hired. There was a class in the fall of 95, a class in the summer of 96, and then my class. So they needed bodies everywhere. So you were getting spots, prime spots that you never would have gotten years ago. So I got put on the squad. Me and my buddy, Timmy Bantha, we were the happiest kids on the face of the earth. He got on six months before me. Brockton kid, grew up with him. We're on squad A. We're loving it. We got, we had 10 fires in, in, 10 fires in six days, multiple on <laughs> fires. We made rescues over ground ladders. We had a <laughs> fire, all these things. And I'll never forget. I was, every time, every time you heard the tone, you thought you were going to a fire. I was like, this yeah. is unbelievable. I can't, this is, this That's, is unbelievable. We're going out this many fires. I'm like, wow, this I, is the best job ever. <laughs> it is. It is. You're right. You're right. So I'm walking. So, so Jeremy, I'm walking up the stairs. Station one is in, built in 1884. Oh, wow. Wired by, wired by Thomas Edison himself when he was doing all the, uh, come on, current. really? Yes, yes. Oh, I love the history up there. Yeah. He, he came to Brockton because of the shoe factories because they needed electricity. So the first electrified firehouse in the country was Station One, 42 Pleasant Street, Brockton. Is that right? No tri- kidding. Yeah, it is. And we have, you can see his old knob and tubing is still up there. It's actually on the National Historic Registry. Yeah. So there's a long set of stairs in the center of the firehouse. You come up from the patrol booth. And I look upstairs, and the, the deputy chief of training, John Cummings, is up there. He says, Brian, I know you're loving this, but it's not going to last forever. Don't get your hopes up. <laughs> <laughs> so we went through a lot of fires. We, I was very fortunate when I first came on. I learned from some great people. And I kind of, I saw the writing on the wall. I had a couple of office, my officer was retiring. I had a couple of guys getting promoted. I had learned a lot from these people. I said, you know, I'm going to take the exam and see what happens. Uh, and I, I, I taught the list, made lieutenant. Um, we have two roving lieutenants in each group that basically fill in for, right. um, for, for, for absent guys. Mm-hmm. So I bounced around the city. I get to be on a, you know, Baker aerial scope. I had never been on one in my nice. career. Um, different things like that. So I learned a lot there. Then um, I, um, I, I got assigned to um, Ladder One, which is a busy company out at that same station where Squad A is. I, um, then I made, I took the captain's test, did well in the captain's test, made captain. Um, you know, and, and I moved in, cap- I made captain. I went to, uh, I went to Engine Company 4 over the east side in the two-piece house. It's a tower, tower One, which is a baking area scope and an engine company. I went to the engine company, went to a lot of good fires, had a great Great deputy chief that um, was in charge uh, of the group, uh, George Phillips, who's now since retired. Great mentor, great guy to listen to. He was, he, you know, you, you, you talk to George, he's a calming effect. He's, he was, we are polar opposites. <laughs> he, was, he was more of the banker style, always right, looked right. perfect. And I was like, a, a, you know, a hot mess half the time. I love um, it. And uh, then um, I, you know, I, I was over there on the east side and I said, you know what, there's no movement downtown. Someone had said to me, why don't you take the deputy's exam. So I, I signed up to take the deputy's exam. I started reading. Deputy Chief Tim Murphy, who was an incredible mentor to me, who's since retired, he brings me downtown until back on a ladder one as a captain. Now, if you're the captain in a downtown house, you ride the car when the deputy's out. Oh, okay. He said, he said, I want you to come down. I It was funny. I, I, I saw him at a function. He says to me, I says to me, how's things over the force? I go, good. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know. You know, I, 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 I want to get back downtown. You know what I mean? And and he goes, well, things will change for you, whatever. Well, he called me a week later and said, listen, my captain is going into the training division um, for his last three years of his career. I'd like you to come down. Now, I was a young captain at the time. That doesn't usually happen. But, Got you know, it. he had, you know, so now he has faith in me. So yeah. now I'm like, well, I better not mess this one up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so I went downtown and I, I, I actually, I love working on ladder one. I had great crews. I had a senior man by the name of Eddie Bradshaw, who's my senior man on the company. And he was, he was aces. He was one of those old school senior men that when you, I would do roll call. I'd say, all right, you got to get the brass clean. The window's got to be clean. Um, make sure we're all done by 10 30. We're going to head out. We're going to do um, a ground ladder drill. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. I come down with a cup of coffee five minutes later, pick up to find my, um, to find my paperwork. I had in my hands. He's either got the jobs. He has the guys have the jobs done. Or they're in the middle of when I walked down. I mean, he was an old school, salty old guy. God rest his soul. He died of uh, prostate cancer. Incredible individual. Missed greatly on the job. Mm. Um, So it was funny. I stopped studying for deputy chief. So I'm sitting. I'm sitting in the captain's office one one night, and the deputy uh, 
the uh, the deputy Tim Murphy walks in and says, "Hey, Cap, what's uh what's going on? You've been studying much? I don't see you with any books out." I said, "Ah, no, Cap." I said, "I'm I'm thrilled. I'm here. I'm here to stay. I'm not um I'm not studying." He said, and he talked. He was old Irish. He talked out of the corner of his mouth. He says, "He says, uh, Cap, you don't get those goddamn books out again. I'm sending you back over to Fords." <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "Oh boy." He says, "I brought you down here for a reason, and that reason is to ride the car and learn." And then when you make deputy, you'll have a good you'll have you'll have a you'll have a good footing underneath. Yeah. So you look at that, and when I say to you about great mentors, yep. you never told me why you brought me That's down right. there. But you brought me down there for the right reasons to be able to learn under him, who was an incredible tactician and fireground commander. Right. And he was able to then prop me up because he knew he only had a few years left. Yeah. And he wanted people that were taking those jobs. So so again, to go back to and not to back up in, in the whole conversation. No, 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 you're good. But, but to back up, to tell you, those are the important things. And those are the lessons. Like I say to you, I was a sponge. I listened to everything anyone said. And I'll, I teach part-time at the Mass Fire Academy. I do some teaching on the side privately here and right. there. And I bring up stuff that those guys told me years ago that still hold true. Yeah. And I, when someone, someone, someone said something. My, dep- my, my first deputy, Kenny Dustin, said something to me at, the, um, at, at a function. He said, he said, uh, I said, Chief, I got to ask you a question. Someone told me you brought up this, this, or this up. And I said, yeah. He goes, Jesus, I told you that I'm close to, you know, 25, 30 years ago. I said, yeah, but it stuck with me. And yep. it makes sense, you know? Yeah. So I give you, and I said to him, I started laughing. I said, don't worry, Jeff. I give you a footnote every time I bring it up. I don't, yeah, I, don't, right. I, don't, I, don't I don't use it as my own. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. That's good. I think yeah. it's so, yeah. you know, the thing is with those guys, right? Those guys that help mentor you along the way. I think this is. Uh, I not going down this road, but just just scratching the surface of it. I the way they did it years ago was like this um, really well scripted long play chess moves, right? Like yeah. where he brought you downtown a couple of years out because he knows what his future looks like. He sees something yeah. in you, and so on. And I and and that type of mentorship, you know, is over the course of time. Today, yep. everybody's looking for instant gratification. Everybody's looking for yep. the answers today. Everybody wants to know what's happening. And always, everybody's very inquisitive about what's going on. Why do you do this? What, instead of just letting sometimes the process play out, right? No question. I mean, the process no is so important. The longevity of this job is so important, right? Because it's a yep. career, yep. right? It's not a job. It's a career. And a career is like a lifetime, right? I mean, it's a, it's a mm-hmm. long span, Right. So, okay. I mean, are you, do you do the same? Do you find yourself I dropping do. breadcrumbs along the way? Myself. And yes, I do. Cause I learned from them. Yeah. I, do. I, don't, I don't necessarily have to have this, this perfect company officer class and I have to have everything perfect. Well, you're right. going to be a deputy chief. So we're going to send you to this. We're going to send you, well, maybe do you, do you give hints or do you move people in different, I do. I try to do things like that all the time. One of the differences is the litigious society we live in. Yes. You need all these certifications because all these things happen. That's you right. know what I'm saying? So that changes, that changes that dynamic a little bit that I don't like, you know, I want to be able to teach like those guys talk and, 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 and make those mentorship moves like those guys. Did. Sure. You know, that's, that's, that's very important. I think the world we live in, we have to become a little more structured. Oh, 100%. I agree. And just because of the world we live in, not necessarily, trust me, I am as old school as they come. We still have log books in the patrol booths and the firehouses. So, like, we're, we're I try to keep, I want to keep, you've got, for as much as we advance, we have to keep those traditions alive Agreed. for very important reasons. Yeah, you know, and, and, I, and, and I know, I mean, the fact that you were ripping off information before to me, the years that the company was instilled and all these things, history obviously then is very important to you. Very and, much. And, and very the same much. with me, right? And I, I'm a firm believer that we have to know where we've been in order to move forward and go forward, right? And, okay. and so for you, do you find – are you constantly instilling that those little nuggets into your guys along the way? Because I'm, I, it's hard to get the younger guys to buy into the to yesterday stories and and yeah. the history of the company, right? And so or the yep. department. So yep. is that important to you as well? Absolutely, but I think it's important to our department. Again, yeah. going back to the people that came before us in March 10, 1941, the Strand Theater fire we lost 13 members of the Brockton Fire Department. Mm. Yeah, that was the largest loss of life prior to September 11th. What, it was, was, it, what was the date on that? March 10th, 1941, the Strand Theater Fire. The 
it was it, it was shortly after the fire. It, remind, it kind of reminds you somewhat of the Vendome fire in Boston, yeah. where where the fire was just about out. And in Omaha, these the thirteen members were killed. Twelve were killed that night. One of them died the next morning. So so we have a memorial every March tenth, nineteen forty one, that we put on, and we have a statue outside of City Hall. We have a piece of anthracite from Scranton, so Scranton, Pennsylvania, right afterwards. Big coal mining area. They they sent us this piece of anthracite with it carved, and the guy that carved it was a Scranton firefighter, and his family will now still come up for the for the Strand Memorial. Wow! Since, so we have this big service inside of City Hall, which is a beautiful old historic City Hall. But we've also in two thousand in two thousand and eight, we built this memorial outside of a firefighter kneeling within it's basically strand Memorial park. Wow. And the way that faces is where the strand theater was. Yeah. So, so we, there is, it's not just me instilling it. It's, I think those are the types of things we instill in everybody. And I, we laugh because I think I'm pretty old school and a traditionalist and I love all the old stuff. Union president, Bill Hill, he's 10 times worse than me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. He's where he's much, he's, but, but it's good, but it's good because, because you need, and, and you know what, I, you know, you look at succession plans. I look at, you know, I, I was with Bill yesterday for a long period of time. And I kind of said, you know, we were kind of talking about, you know, what, you know, you and I are getting towards the end here. Where is, where is, where is your succession plan union wise? Who's, who are you guys looking to step up? And, you know, right. he, you know, we're thinking the same thing with chief's jobs, you know, in another five, six years. Or so. we, you know, I, I mean, I, I love this job, but you know, I, I, when, when I took over, I had this idea that, you know, I'm not staying forever just to stay. I, I have I have role. I have a role I want to play. I have things that I want us to accomplish. And then I'm not going to hang around. I'm going to let the next person come in with even brighter ideas and fresher ideas and then move it forward. But there has to be some sort of that succession plan, because if you're not doing that, you're going to end up having the city do it for you. And that's not what you want. <laughs> well, and th- yeah, for sure. And the other thing yeah. too, though, is that you're, you have this self-awareness about yourself that the job's bigger than you. And so oh, yeah. everything you're doing is mapping for the future. What you're doing now influences the future. And so you need to start looking at who's going to take over the reins or wh- where the trajectory is going to be for the department in five, 10, 20 years. And how do you, how do you help steer the ship until it's your time to get off? But a lot of times, and this goes back to that earlier conversation, a lot of times guys don't know when to get out. Yeah. Yep. They're like the athlete. Don't know when to hang the jock strap up and walk out of yeah. the locker. No question. <laughs> You're 100% no, right. It's yeah. True. It's very true. I agree. Well, will I still stay in the, Will I still teach? Will I still? Of course you will. Life? You'll never will give I, this up. Of course up. I will. I'll yeah. be doing that. My wife laughs because I always say to my wife, when I retire, we're gonna we're gonna go to Florida in the winter and we're gonna stay there and we'll you know we'll come back and this. She goes, you'll be you the day after you retire, you'll be up at the Mass Fire Academy teaching. For Most Christ. likely. Most no. likely, right? <laughs> well, I I think it's funny that you bring up your wife again because uh, part of the part of the and, and we're gonna start to wrap, so I kind of want to head yeah. that way, but. When you were doing your class in Maine, and I, I only sat in for like a half hour or so because I was running around, and um, sure. you showed a slide of like a back alley, and you were yeah. talking about building construction, I believe the yeah. class was about. And it you're was like, about, uh, taxpayers, taxpayers, taxpayers. That's right. Okay, and I remember the part that I was watching. You were talking about building construction and all these, you know, all these different components of an old, you know, old uh, decaying American city of of you know infrastructure and so on, right? And yep. you were like, yeah, and then I drive down the alley, I hop out of the car, and I'm taking pictures, and my wife's yelling at me to get back in the car. You're the, you, can't be, you can't be walking behind Bill. I mean, you're still out in the streets yeah. taking pictures of buildings and learning yeah. the neighborhoods yeah. in which your guys are still going to runs on. It's important because, you know, if the guy that's sitting at the head of the, in, in, at the bridge of the ship doesn't still have a, not only a passion, but isn't understanding what's going on out there, you know, we got problems. Yeah. You know, I got to see, you know, you, it doesn't matter what rank you are or what you're doing. You need to still be learning every single day. And when you stop, the thing is, Jeremy, when you stop learning, you need to hang up your gear and go home because yeah. now you're, now you're a liability to the overall operation of what we're trying to accomplish on the fire ground. And you're not doing anything to push the next generation forward. Yeah, you're right. You know, yeah, I think, to, to the beginning when I said, you know, if I walk out in the, in the recruits and I, 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 I'm in their face, like, how are you doing? How's everything going? Or, 
or the newest kit. Like we did today, we're, we're looking, like I said, about some nozzle things. So I went over there and I was kind of getting involved with it. Well, we have, we graduated a class just recently as well. Um, then we got the safer grandkids that are in now. And, and, you know, I had a kid on a nozzle and, you know, if I'm not pushing him up to the front and if I, if he's not seeing Jesus, the chief of department is in this old beat up, beat up house. If I'm not showing him I'm there, what, what am I not? What am I showing? If I'm sitting in my office hiding from my membership. That's right. What am I? There's nothing worse. I, 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 I heard a story. A very good friend of mine from a from a department nearby, another community of my size, said, "Yeah, the deputies go on rounds. They go to all the stations, and then they go up to headquarters. They drop off the mail, and they come back." I said, "Oh yeah, do they not? You know how much time they spend with the chief? Well, they don't talk to the chief." But no, no, wait a minute. He, they, they, the chief doesn't talk to them. I said, "What?" He says, "Yeah, yeah, he doesn't talk to them." And then he said, "Then I said, well, does the chief get out and get into the stations and?" He says, no, no, the chief, chief's not, we don't really see him much. He just kind of, and I said, what are you talking about? It blows my mind. Yeah. You know my personality. You know that I can't deal with not like I, I'm in a 6 a.m. So I can get a lot of my crap out of the way so I can get in the firehouses, talk to the guys, have a cup of coffee. What's going that. on? What's, you know, because, because, because if I don't know what's going on with them. How do I push you? Know, I might have. As the chief, you're you're still only human. You have to have a vision for where you want the department to go. But if I'm out, if I'm not out in the fire firehouses, hearing what's going on on a regular basis, how do I know where they want it to be long after I'm gone? You know what I mean? I, I yes. I mean, how do you, how do you build a plan for those coming up behind you if you're yeah. not in the trenches with them to know what they need, want, or desire? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You need you need that. If you don't if you don't have that again hang up your stuff and go home because it doesn't, it doesn't, it's, it's not going to work. You know Chief, what I mean? Chief, you've asked, you've blindly asked these recruits that are coming through your probate class to believe in you and the department. Yeah. And yet the department has to believe in them and you do. And you know, whether you're out there showing them nozzles, taking pictures of building construction or talking to them, a simple smile at a kid goes a yeah. very long way or a handshake. Oh, and a, yeah, man. That's awesome. Well, I'll tell you this, Brian. I am I'm honored to call you a friend, and I, I, you know, this is really our first real long form conversation. But man, I enjoyed every second of it. Um, awesome. You have an awesome. open invitation anytime you want to come back on this podcast. I would love to have you on. Um, I anytime. feel like you and I could talk for days, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Listen, if we can talk about fire stuff, I'll come back anytime. I know. We, wanna, we, we talked about talk about budgets. Forget we, about it. I we literally, literally <laughs> didn't talk a single thing about a, a single fire other than throwing ground ladders at that one fire. But yeah. I, I do want to say this, though, and it should be said, right? From a guy that travels all over and sees a lot of different fire departments, and I've seen the very good and I've seen the very bad, it's important for a chief like yourself to be bought in on their people, and you certainly are. And um, you stand out to me. Um, in a very good way. So it should be said that uh, you're doing the right thing, Chief. And, uh, well, you know, I yeah. I hope, I hope so. I hope so. You are. You are. You work on behalf of your people, and uh, and that's what matters most. So I appreciate you very much, Chief Brian Nardelli out of the Brockton, Massachusetts Fire Department. Thank you, Chief, for joining me today, man. Appreciate you. Thank you, Jeremy. I appreciate it, and thank you for having me on. Yeah, hang on one second. Don't go anywhere, and I'm just going to sign off the podcast, and we'll come right back. Everyone, thanks for tuning in for another stellar episode of the National Fire Radio Podcast, man. When we have guests like Brian Nardelli, I don't really have to do anything. The conversation is good. So many good nuggets came out of this, so do me a favor. Take this, take it back to the firehouse and talk about it, because when we talk about the job, we're making the job better. Check us out online, on social media, the podcast. Send us an email, podcast at nationalfireradio.com. Let us know your thoughts about this episode or any other episode that we've recorded. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate your support. We'll see you at the next one. Jeremy, National Fire Radio. National Fire Radio.